Welcome to the official podcast of Comics Beer and Sci-Fi. Brought to you by Crystal Bright Janitorium, The Brand Barbershop, Greco Printing and Imaging, and Able Ideas. Before we get started, make sure to subscribe to this podcast and follow Comics Beer and Sci-Fi on all your favorite social media apps. Now, on with the show! Hey, this is Mark at the Monroe Pop Fest. I'm here with legendary wrestler Al Snow. How you doing, sir? If I were doing any better, I'd be jealous of myself. <laughs> well, I'm jealous of you. Thank you. Look at the shape you're in, dude. I, I, I look really good in the dark, so, you know, turn the lights off. I just get, the darker it gets, the better I look. Can you tell us a little bit about your time that when you were with uh, Steve Blackman? Uh, well, with Steve, uh, you make it sound like a prison sentence. You know, and some some would imagine that probably would be the case, but uh, but no, Steve was an awesome guy. Just you know, uh, uh, very talented martial artist and uh, very intense. Uh, but that made him such a great straight man to play off of, and uh, and uh, I really enjoyed our time together. As you know, we just wish it could have kept going on. What about when you were tag teaming with Mick Foley? Tell us a little bit about that. Oh, that was that was enjoyable too. You know, especially when Mick went around, it was even more enjoyable. Um, you know, the funny thing is, uh, you know, I, I I tell people this all the time. You know, when we were in the locker room and stuff, Mick would tell everybody how when he got done wrestling, he'd be a stand-up comedian. We'd, we'd all laugh. You know what I mean? And now he is a stand-up comedian. No one's laughing. So how ironic. Yeah, I know. Now you're involved with this uh, with this Ohio Valley uh, res- wrestling. That's something you own. Uh, yes, I'm a co-owner and a CEO of OVW, which is Ohio Valley Wrestling. It was former developmental for WWE. We've been around for over 30 years, I think. I bought the company in 2018, and um, and we're you know we're probably in 100 million homes on about eight different national broadcast and uh, linear networks throughout the United States. Um, we're on Fight TV, that's F-I-T-E TV, uh, on your phone, um, uh, every uh, Thursday night live from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern, and, uh, and then regionally in Kentucky, we're in Louisville, uh, Lexington, Hazard, Bowling Green. Um, so we're pretty, pretty around quite a bit. Okay, besides doing all that, you like to go to these cons a lot? Oh, I love going to the conventions, I really, Enjoy uh, all the cosplay. I um, uh, and I enjoy you know meeting the fans and interacting with them and uh, and I'm just so appreciative that I have you know a fan. Um, his name's Harold. Um, he follows me around to these conventions and uh, you know other than that that's about it as far as fans. This has to be one of your biggest fans right here. Oh well, we we you know we've always kind of had a contentious relationship. You know it's on again off again type of thing. You know. But you only fight with those you love. That's that's the deal. So, and apparently we love each other very much. You. So besides the Ohio Valley thing, is there anything else that you got coming down the pipeline? Uh, well, I'm. Uh, we do a comic book with Broken Icon Comics. You can check it out at brokeniconcomics.com. Uh, we have two issues out right now. That's the Ballad of Al Stonehead. It's like a 40-page, uh, really exceptional comic book as far as story and artwork. And then uh, Adventures of Al Stonehead, it's like, kind of like the old Marvel team-up. So we team up with Chavo Guerrero and Pepe the Stick Horse and that. And it's, um, they're wrestling-based, 
They're very true to the wrestling characters, but they're not about wrestling. So like uh, Chavo and I are in a Western adventure. It's completely a departure from just pure it's an awesome mashup. Yeah. Um, I go to I have uh, my own clothing design, which is Collar and Elbow. You can go to CollarAndElbowBrand.com. If you use the code word snowman, you can take 10% off. Um, check it out. And uh, God, what else? Uh, I don't know. You can follow me on social media at The Real Al Snow. Why? Because there were some actual fakes, which is okay. If you're going to fake be me, I'm just going to message you and say, aim the bar higher. I mean, I'd be Brad Pitt or George. If I'm going to fake being somebody, I'm going to fake being, you know, I'm going to be somebody with some The Rock. Be Al Snow. What are you thinking? Well, do, you, do you get some of those guys that look like the, the Andrew Lincoln from The Walking Dead? Do, do you get that, some of those comparisons? Uh, I usually, the, uh, the lead singer of the Foo Fighters, everybody says I look like. So I see that, too. Yeah. So, uh, and it uh, used to be, uh, there was another singer, I can't remember his name right now, that... Uh, uh, I see Patrick Swayze. Uh, yeah, I'm the Patrick Swayze of Waffle House. That's what I am. He had Roadhouse, I have Waffle House. And, what, and what's your motto? Be nice until it's time to not be nice? Well, you can't be nice in Waffle House. I mean, you know, that's like going into a prison yard and expecting not to be shanked, you know? Well, anyways, Al, it was, a, it was a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you. And this is Mark at the Monroe Pop Fest. Hey, this is Mark at the Monroe Pop Fest. I'm here with Michigan-born and raised artist, Bill Morrison, how you doing? I'm doing good, thanks. How you doing? Pretty good. Tell us, how did you get hooked up uh, with uh, is it Matt Graining or Groaning? Graining. Graining. I just want to make sure make sure I got his name right. He always says his name rhymes with complaining. So, like before before you met him, tell us a little bit about your career. Well, I started. Uh, I went to uh, the College for Creative Studies here in Detroit, and. Uh, the first two years out of college, I worked at a place in Livonia doing technical illustration for the auto industry. Uh, went out to California, and the first thing I did before I met Matt Groening was movie posters. Uh, so I worked for a company that um, was kind of like a boutique ad agency for the movie industry. So I did a lot of like 80s posters. Which ones were those? Um, well, I did one, uh, probably one that's best known is a movie called House. Oh, with William Cat. William Cat. I did the, the art for that. Oh, that's a great one. Thank you. That's the one with the hand and the, uh, push yeah, the doorbell. Yeah, it's actually right here. There you go. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. um, but, you know, I did a lot of uh, schlocky ones, too, that people don't remember. Tell us about that. Um, well, I did. There was one called Blood Diner, another horror movie. Uh, Heard of it. There was, a like, a kind of a teen sex comedy called Loose Screws. Was that a that was a Canadian movie, right? I think it was Canadian. These are the kind of movies that nowadays they would go like direct to video or direct to drive-in. I I think I first watched them on cable TV back in the '80s. Exactly. They kind of bypassed the theater, you know. Um, but I met Matt Groening while I was working at this particular um, job, and it was before he created The Simpsons. So he was a young kind of struggling writer, and he used to write uh, copy for the movie posters, like the taglines, and uh, he worked on greeting cards and all kinds of things, so I did a few projects with him, and uh, then, you know, a few years later, he started The Simpsons, and I got recruited to help draw all the merchandise art. 
So that was initially my, kind of like my entry into The Simpsons was um, in 1990 doing artwork for t-shirts and video game boxes and all the stuff that came out in the 90s that all you 40-somethings remember from when you were kids. <laughs> now, you started, was it Bongo Comics with, with Matt, correct? What was that experience like? That was amazing. We were doing a, a magazine uh, titled Simpsons Illustrated. And in that magazine, it was kind of like a, a fan magazine for Simpsons fans, and it had articles and you know game pages, and it was a, a variety of things. But one of the things in the magazine was a comic section. So we started doing comics within the magazine, and uh, we did two annuals. So the first year, we did a 3D issue. That was the annual. And then the second year came along, we had to start thinking about, well, what do we do to sort of top the 3D issue, you know, something gimmicky that's not like a regular issue. And uh, somebody suggested, why don't we just do an all-comics issue? So originally it was going to be like an all-comics version of the magazine, but then somebody, probably Matt, thought, well, what if we made it look like an actual comic book? We shrunk it down to comic size. Uh, we could even give it a different title, as like an homage to Disney. And uh, we, so we call it Simpsons Comics and Stories after um, Walt Disney Comics and Stories. And um, so anyway, that, that issue came out and it was such a big success that it gave Matt the confidence to start a company. So he, he came to, there were a few of us involved, uh, a handful of people, and he came to us and said, how would you guys like to start a comic book company and we'll do this full time? And it was a dream come true. No, that led to you working with working on Futurama. Yes, so I was uh, working as editor of the comic book line and uh, also doing artwork, doing covers, um, occasional stories when I had the time. And Matt came in one day and he said, you know, I'm working on this new TV show idea. I'd like some help helping, you know, I'd like someone to help me sort of visualize what I'm thinking for the characters. So I went over to his studio in the evenings uh, for a couple of weeks, and he would give me like a, a line, maybe a couple of sentences long, uh, about a character. And it, it was probably something like, okay, um, I have this character, Leela, and she's a cyclops, and uh, she's an alien, um, and uh, she knows martial arts. So he would sort of give me that much to go on. I would do a bunch of sketches and then show those to him. And um, that would spark him creatively. So sometimes he would, sometimes he wouldn't see anything in my drawings that was anything close to what he was thinking. But he would go, mm, I don't know, I kind of like the hair, but everything else is not what I'm thinking. How about something like this? And then he would do a sketch, throw it back to me, and then I would riff on that and we would kind of go back and forth. Um, ultimately, they all, all the characters really looked the way Matt wanted them to look. So part of my job was sort of to show him what he didn't want so that sort of it would help him to kind of visualize what he did want. Pretty cool. Now, do you like coming to these cons? I do. Um, I think it's, it's kind of an important thing for a cartoonist to meet the people that, that read and uh, appreciate the work that we do. Um, it's, it's kind of a solitary job, 
most of us just sort of sit in a room in our studio or um, wherever by ourselves um, with music on or with the TV on and we just, you know, we turn this stuff out and then it gets printed and unless you go out and sort of engage with the fans, you don't really know what people think about it. Sometimes you'll see a review, but you really don't know whether or not what you've done is good until you get people coming to your table and you see that kind of enthusiasm and they want to buy more of your stuff or they want to buy the original artwork. Um, so it's important it, and it's um, you know gratifying. So what do you got coming down the pipeline? Um, working on, uh, now that I'm back in Michigan, I'm freelance, so I'm not working for a company. But uh, I'm working on all kinds of things. I'm teaching at the College for Creative Studies, where I went to school. Um, I'm working on um, some... That should, th by the way, that should help with uh, you know, people enrolling into the Creative Studies to having a teacher like this there. <laughs> I hope so. Uh, um, I, I don't know. A lot of the students that I have, when they find out that I'm teaching and they see that I worked on Futurama and I worked on Disenchantment, it is... Um, it's exciting for them because they want a teacher who's actually been there in the trenches and can tell them stories and, and teach them how it's really done. And uh, yeah, so so that's been great. Um, I'm working on uh, advertising for some uh, feature animated films coming up that I can't really talk about yet because I signed an NDA. Don't blame you. Uh, I'm working on uh, relaunching my Roswell Little Green Man comic book. Uh, there's a company in France that wants to publish it, and they also want, uh, I pitched them some other ideas for comic books, and uh, so I'm working on um, two or three ideas that will probably appear first in France, weirdly, and then be translated back into English, <laughs> if, if we find a publisher here. It's um, exciting news. Yeah, so I'm doing a lot of different things. So where can people find you these days? Well, I'm online uh, on Facebook, just my name, uh, Bill Morrison Atomic Battery Studios, which is my studio name. Uh, but I'm also on Instagram and Twitter, um, and I'm at shows like this all the time now. I'm doing uh, uh, Baltimore Comic Con at the end of October. I'm doing a festival in England in the middle of October where um, they're doing a, this is kind of cool, they're doing an exhibition of my Beatles Yellow Submarine artwork. Yeah, that's nice. Thanks, Bill, for talking with us. Hey, this is Mark at the Monroe Pop Fest. I'm here with Power Ranger Blake Foster. How you doing, bud? I'm doing good. How you doing? I'm getting by. <laughs> Tell us, how did you get started with the Power Rangers? Um, I was actually uh, filming an independent film at the time, and I was 12, and I was a black belt. And the director of the film that I was filming was the producer of Power Rangers. I had no idea. He was an Israeli guy. His name was Shuki Levy. Um, I'm messing around one day on set, just being a kid, throwing karate kicks and doing flips and stuff like that. And he comes up to me and he goes, Blake, would you want to be a Power Ranger? And I said, what do you know about Power Rangers? I grew up on Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. I was like, ah, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. He doesn't even know Power Rangers. Next thing I knew, I was at a casting table. Uh, table reading and I was casted there was no audition process they gifted me the role of Justin Stewart the blue turbo power ranger now were you like considered the youngest power ranger I was I was the only kid power ranger in history yeah 12 years old when I morphed I grew I got a little bit bigger but yeah I was the only kid power ranger now, 
What was some of your best favorite experiences doing doing that? I have a lot. I mean, I grew up in a martial arts dojo, so anything on television that was karate-based was my thing. And Power Rangers was super cool. They morphed. They got in these cool suits. Um, I'll never forget the day that I'm sitting um, sitting on a boat in the middle of the ocean. We called it the Ghost Galleon. And um, I got to do a fight scene. And they had these big, these big guys. They were like, I think they were called... Um, putrepods at the time. They had big characters, right? And um, I got to kick them as hard as I could because I was 12. I didn't really have much power behind me at that age. But these guys went flying off the boat, and it was just a lot of good times on Power Rangers, honestly. I, I did a lot of fun stuff on Power Rangers. Did you ever get hurt? I never got hurt. I did a lot of my own stunts. I will say that um, it's very draining as a kid doing all that stuff, and then at the same time trying to hit your mark and still be professional. So I had my moments where I would slip up and goof off as a kid, but... Um, for the most part, I, I did I did my thing. I did my I did a good I did a good job. So what are you doing these days? Um, I'm actually now an MMA fighter. I just had my pro MMA debut back in September in Utah, and I got I, I won the 205 uh, light heavyweight belt. Um, I knocked him out the first round. I have another fight coming up in January on a show called Freedom Fight Night that's on Hulu, um, hosted by the United Fight League. And um, I'm a dad. I got two kids. I'm married, my wife, and uh, we're living life. My son's a jiu-jitsu uh, star. He's, he's doing really good and competing in all these world tournaments. We're doing it together, and, yeah, we're in the studio night and day. We train five days a week, and uh, we're out here kicking butt. Do you enjoy coming to these conventions? I do. I really do enjoy coming to these conventions. Like I said before, I was a fan of Power Rangers before I was on the show, so I relate to a lot of these fans, and I know what it's like to come up to a table and be, like, starstruck, you know? Oh, my God, you were on Power Rangers. I relate to them well because I know what it's like because I was the same way as a 12-year-old kid when I got to meet Jason Frank or when I was sitting at that table reading and I got to meet all the Power Rangers. Would you ever go back to this uh, show? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, we've been trying to get me back on the show for quite some time now. It's just been um, hit or miss. I've, I've had a kid. They, they were going to bring me back for the Super Mega Force battle. I was having a son at the time, so I couldn't really participate in that. And now I'm doing my MMA career, so I'm a little really, really booked at the moment. Um, I'm booked all the way up until January of next year. So I would love to go back on the show if they offered me the opportunity again, for sure. The, the kids would love to see it. The fans would love to see it. I mean, the franchise and the fandom behind it, they all want to know whatever happened to that little 12-year-old kid that morphed and had superpowers. So I think it could be a pretty cool storyline if they did something with it. It was a pleasure speaking with you, Blake. Hey, this is Mark at the Monroe Pop Fest. I'm here with Frank James Bailey, writer of Turkana, a cool little uh, comic book. Tell us a little bit about it. Well, I always pitch it like this. When my daughter was seven, which is a long time ago, she's 15 now, but when my daughter was seven, she said, Daddy, I don't like princesses anymore. I like superheroes. And I was like, oh, there's an idea. So that's how the whole thing, the seed of the idea started. And it started off with illustrated novels. And I switched to comic books in 2019. People seem to like comic books better. They kind of outsell the book books like 10 to 1. The comics are for all ages. Um, it's kind of like a buddy cop thing. It's like, well, there's the superhero girl, she has the powers. And then her friend who's Latina, she knows martial arts. She doesn't have any powers. Though. She doesn't know martial arts. And they, they have a six comics all together. Um, if you go to the website, turkana.com, you can check out comic number one and comic number five as a free read webcomic. But comics two, three, four, and six, just the first couple of pages. 
Also, people like to make, make note of this because it's a little fun fact. My daughter's name is Paige. The alter ego of Turkana is named Paige. And her powers come out as lightning bolts, but they construct things. Kind of like Green Lantern makes constructs, but I gave him rules. Like Green Lantern can make anything. Well, Turkana can make things, the bigger it is, the faster it disappears. The smaller it is, the longer it stays. And she can't make air or water either. And she looks like a 15-year-old girl, but she's actually 150 years old. She ages one year for every 10 years on Earth. So besides your daughter, okay. what were some of the other inspirations for this story? Well, I love comics. I love a lot of DC comics. Even though Marvel's great, I love Marvel too. But she, to me, this is kind of like a, a cross between Static Shock, Kim Possible, and Green Lantern. Because she has that Kim Possible lip, but that's the only thing she really is, a Kim Possible. And I'm a big Kim Possible fan. But yeah, it, it, the lightning bolts, I'm kind of like Static Shock. And she only used the first three fingers, not like all five, like in Star Wars, where the, the, the dark side, I didn't want to use all five. So, but yeah, comics are big inflammation, uh, because I love to, love to collect comics. I have a lot of comics at home, and that's what made me change from the books to the comics, so people seem to like comic books better. And plus, they're more easier to digest. They're a little less money than a big, big book, so. Okay, besides this series, do you have anything else coming out? Yes, actually, right now, I have a Kickstarter, but it's not for all ages. <laughs> Which is fine. Yeah, the Kickstarter is more or less for, I would say, adults. It's like if it was a movie, it'd be a rated all romantic comedy. The Kickstarter is called The Taming of April. If you go to Kickstarter right now and search for The Taming of April, you'll see The Taming of April. And like I said, it's it's if it was a movie, it'd be a rated all romantic comedy. So I'm going to try and have more stuff that are like... because. Back in 2021, I was at the Gem City Comic Con in Dayton, Ohio, and somebody looked at all the, you know, child stuff or the family-friendly stuff I had, and they said, do you think it's not for kids? And I was like, oh, I'm going to work on that. <laughs> so now I'm going to start working on more variety of stuff, but people seem to love Turkana, so I'm going to keep the Turkana comics going, but then add more stuff to it that are for everybody else, too. That's really cool. Well, Frank, it was a pleasure speaking with you. It was nice talking to you, too. And this is Mark at the Monroe Pop Fest. Hey, this is Mark at the Monroe Pop Fest. I'm here with Michigan artist Scott Rosma. Tell me, sir, how did you get started doing this, this comic book artwork? Well, I'll tell you, it was a long-time dream to be in the, comic, in the comic books. But after I was doing commercial art, after I graduated from Kendall up in Grand Rapids, I decided I wanted to try and break into the comics industry. And I'd always done them on my own anyway. And I decided around 1988 I was going to start submitting my portfolios to the companies and that went on for quite a few quite a few months until finally they uh they looked at what i had and they said okay you're hired that's how it started so who did at marvel who did you work under with the jim shooter uh no i worked under well i think shooter is still there i mean so i, I imagine technically i worked under him but uh, the first editor that uh gave me the time of day was uh, fabian nisiesa and um, then also Kelly Corvise was uh, one that actually hired me, per se. And he put me right away on the X-Men, which was a really fun gig, and I couldn't believe it was my first assignment for Marvel. What issues? Uh, it was the X-Men Adventures book that, that uh, adapted the, the popular cartoon show into print. So I did an issue of that, and then I was going to do all kinds of other books, too, but that was just about the time when Marvel imploded. And so... I went from that to submitting work to other companies, and then I got work with the uh, Batman the Animated Series, 
in their licensing department. And I did work for them for about three years. Wow, you got an incredible career there. And that's, that was just some of it, you know, because then it was after that then that I got uh, some work with Valiant on their Solar, Man of the Atom book. Did a couple issues of that. And then that led to me doing Space Ghost for Archie when they had that license. And in the meantime, between all these things, I did a lot of work for TSR, Dungeons and Dragons. A lot of black and white stuff, some color. It just kept me busy all the time, doing all kinds of things. It's incredible. Now tell us, you got a lot of artwork here. Yeah. What is some of your favorite pieces that you got here displayed? Well, I would say one of my favorite pieces um, is, well, I have this piece here, this um, Stan Lee tribute, which was done for a collector right here in the Detroit area. And he had Stan Lee actually sign this original. Yeah, and I have, the, I have a print of it now. But this was where he brought it to Stan, who was at the Motor City that one year. And he brought it to Stan in a typical Stan fashion. He goes, is that for me? Said, no, no, sorry, Mr. Lee, I just want you to sign it. Oh, well, do I get a copy at least? <laughs> so Stan was pretty impressed with it. Now that's very, 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 very uh, uh, flattering, to say the least. Did he ever receive one? Not for me. <laughs> I wish I could say he certainly liked it. That was, that was very, 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 very cool to hear. What, so do you have anything uh, down the pipeline, like with, in terms of working with any of the big uh, comic book industry uh, companies? Well, I'm, I'm still freelancing, so I'm always open to doing anything that comes along, though I've been spending quite a few uh, recent years just doing my own work, one of which actually is my, uh, my own personal comic I'm doing, which is a a reboot of what I was doing long before I broke into professional comics. And this is my redoing it now with all my present day skills and all that. It's called Errantry. And it's fantasy, sword and sorcery, barbarians and sword fights and demons and all kinds of fun stuff. What was your inspiration for that? Oh, this was, this was started back when I was still amateur. And, but Conan and Lord of the Rings and Robin Hood and I mean all those great, great swashbuckling sword fighting, you know, um, types of tales and everything. Just love that stuff. So, yeah, thanks. And I got four issues planned, after which I'm going to do a trade collection of them. So, yeah, that's one of the big things I'm working on these days. It's pretty cool. Where can people find you online? Well, uh, right now I'm pretty much just on Facebook, but they can just go to my name. That's my title on Facebook, just simple, Scott Rosema. And... Uh, You'll know it's me because my icon is of the Steve Reeves Hercules. <laughs> More of that kind of influence. So um, I'm on there. Send me a friend request. I'll hook you up with me and I'll keep, keep track of everything I do. Well, it was a pleasure speaking with you, Scott. Great having you. I appreciate it. Nice to meet you. Okay. And this is Mark at the Monroe Pop Fest. Hey, this is Mark at the 2022 Monroe Pop Fest. I'm here with artist Matt Fazell. Now tell me something, sir. Can you tell me a little bit about your little mini comic books here? It's the Amazing Cynical Man, America's laid-off superhero. I make these myself. What's it about? It's about, uh, well, it's the adventures of um, um, Cynical Man uh, who um, one day answered a knock on the door and got appointed to superhero duty at the Board of Superheroes, where it turns out his job is just reading comics all day, but he has to share a cubicle with uh, Lizard Girl, 
who doesn't talk much. So it's mostly him making wisecracks. Okay, so I see this other one called Spud and Ernie. Tell us a little bit about that one. Spud and Ernie, Cynical Man's Fan Club. They, they went off on an, a, a multi-universal uh, adventure in Dr. Pwint's um, cliched existence differentiator van. So what was the inspiration for some of these little characters and stories? Well, you sit around and you draw in your sketchbook and eventually you come up with um, something that's the simplest thing in the world to draw. I noticed you have some uh, other cool little artwork here and other little stories. Uh, tell us a little bit about those. This um, I brought along today. I reprinted my first mini-comic from 1980. Cynical Man, guest starring Godzilla. Uh, I drew this in 1980. I thought I was going to have a punk period of, a, of about four issues and go back to trying to be an inker at Marvel Comics. But instead, I just kept drawing Cynical Man. Tell us a little bit about your history with Marvel Comics. I had no history at Marvel Comics, so what I wanted to do was, um, I started out drawing stick figure comics when I was 13 years old, as, as most kids do, and I had a lot of fun doing it, and when I got out of high school, I thought I would um, uh, study art and design and, and um uh, draftsmanship and, and uh, learn how to draw comics the Marvel way and get a job and, and be the next hot artist at Marvel or DC Comics. And about two years out of graduating from college, I realized I wasn't having any fun trying to be a mainstream comic book artist. And what I needed to do was um, think of... Um, why was I even drawing comics to begin with? Why did I start drawing comics when I was 13? And uh, just having fun drawing comics and as stick figure superhero parodies. So I tried that again. And mm, uh, I drew it all out as a little eight page comic and um, printed up 20 copies of it and had 20, uh, had copies sitting out on the counter of the used record store where I was working at the time and some, a customer picked one up and said how much for the mini comic and I said well I don't know how about 25 cents so he took the mini comic and handed me a quarter and it was the first time I had ever made any money off my comics and the lights came up and the band played the theme to 2001 a space odyssey and I've been doing stick figure mini comics ever since so what's oh, it I'm too old to stop so what city are you from? Hamtramck, Michigan. Polish capital of Michigan. Polish capital of Michigan. So tell us, what do you got coming down the pipeline? I'm working on a, 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 a mini comic that's going to be sold in a sealed top loader. And we're calling it the slab. When, should we, we, when shall we be expecting that? Next week. Next week. So where, where can people find you, online? www.cynicalman.com All right, well, it was a pleasure speaking with you, Matt. Uh, this is Mark at the Monroe Pop Fest with Matt Fazell. That's it for this episode of the Comics, Beer, and Sci-Fi Podcast. 
Thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time.